0: Since March 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been developing content monthly, weekly, and daily for the business of pharmacy. With more than 25 different podcast channels, more than 1 million downloads, and 30-plus participating pharmacists, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is the global leader in podcasting for the pharmacy professional. Find all of our podcast channels by going to pharmacypodcast.com forward slash shows. We're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Pharmacy Podcast Network. RX Destroyer ready to use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products which meet the 2014 DEA drug disposal ruling. If you'd like more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com forward slash network. social status, data is emerging as one of the most powerful and consequential currencies around the globe. Technology, computer processing, cloud storage, and artificial intelligence are empowering these data to transform zeros and ones into insightful and even profound realizations about almost every aspect of our lives. I'm John Nosta. And this is FutureDose.Tech with your hosts, Dr. Timothy Ungst and Megan Chilcott. Technology, pharmacy, and better healthcare delivery. By creating more efficient, higher quality concierge-like pharmacist services, we can transform from the pharmacist of yesterday into the future provider of pharmacy tomorrow. Futuredose.tech is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the global leader in pharmacy podcasting, and the largest, most influential network of podcasts about the profession and business of pharmacy. Pharmacy.
1: Greetings, everyone. This is Timothy Youngs, digital apothecary. And today I want to talk about an issue that has been kind of bothering me a lot lately. And this comes from just a lot of work I've been doing in terms of like evaluating digital health startups, especially focused in the medication adherence space. There's a lot of times where I hear people either put on like social media or put on like their white papers. Um, when they talk you know, I, when they mention stuff like either in like public presentations or things about how medication adherence is a 300 billion billion dollar problem. And you know, for years I've been wondering where did that number come from? It's almost like when we say you need to walk 10,000 steps a day in order to be healthy and like you have Fitbit and other things saying, you know, walk this much. And when you think about it, it's not really a personalized approach rather it's just a general number. And you know when you had these quips like 300 billion dollars, I mean, that sounds that's a lot of money. Like let's be honest, like JAMA just put out a paper. I've been reading through. You know, it's, it comes down to like wasting the U.S. healthcare system. And you look at this thing, and it's a it, it's just billions and billions of dollars they were wasting. Um, you know, they're talking about 760 billion to 935 billion. I mean I can imagine healthcare costs, you know, just due to waste and like not doing things right is a one trillion cost at some point. Um and, you know, people say medication here is three hundred billion. And if you fund my product I'll solve it and I'll get payers back and we'll fix this problem. And you know, that it sounds almost like idiotic in terms of because in like if you're a person that's going to fund something if you're going to follow something you say hey if your solution which i can just give to my patients or you know, those that i cover um and it's going to improve their adherence and that's going to drastically reduce my costs and yeah, it's a no-brainer let's just do it let's just buy it or cover and do it just show me some evidence that it actually works and yet you know this stuff's been out for decades I would say it was a big boom in terms of making a lot of medication adherence uh, devices and services that really are coming to the full front now. But um, you know, you saw all these apps launch, you know, in 2010. A lot of devices have been in development, and I mean, we're we're in this digital health adherence boom, uh, and they love this number and they throw it out, and now they're you know publishing their results, and not all of them are positive. Hell, I would say a lot of them are negative. There's been a number that have been published in JAMA that have shown using smart pill bottles don't work. I, I will say this though, you know, that a lot of them were using like one product is glue cap and they weren't seeing positive results. Haven't seen like kidney transplants, CAD for instance, uh, even heart failure. Adhere Tech recently uh, pushed a, p- a publication there with Avila Specialty Pharmacy, small pilot uh, trial, I think about 40 people. I'm going to write about that. But it did show, that one shows some positivity. So I think there's some of these things work, some of them don't. Um, and the issue is a lot of them is trying to meet a clinical endpoint. Because it, it's the intervention comes down to the device itself. Um, you've probably seen my other posts. If not, then you can look them up. And had have like infographics out about all the different companies that are trying to disrupt the adherence space. Whether it's... Smart pill bottles, smart pill trays, uh, sensors that you attach onto medications, bioadjustable, smart inhalers, uh, smart insulin pens, etc. They're, they're all there, and it's going to keep coming. They're, they they have to. I, I would I would say the innovation will have to come with it. But for me, I would say the biggest concern I have with this is I think this has actually led to this weird segue where you are in favor of creating this tech solution. And everyone wants a tech solution now because it seems like, you know, that's just a sexy thing to do. Everyone wants a tech solution. If you throw it on there and you can fix it and you get from A to point B, then you're great. But the reality, it's not A to B, it's A to B to C to D. It's a multifaceted, nuanced complication. And I'm gonna walk you through some of the stuff I've seen that has really kind of, where this stuff came from let's put it that way and then uh, let you see my logic in terms of why i think this is an issue so i do have a post up if you want to read the full analysis it's here on my website digital apothecary um and the one thing that a lot of these um papers companies were citing is this thing this is from Nihi. um or Niha i don't know what it, how to pronounce it to be quite honest but in any the event they they recognize that there's 700 billion dollar waste um which is very similar to the JAMA piece, and this was published back in, like, 2009. So it's not really, like, news in terms of, like, how much it costs. And they came out to say, like, you can do all these different things to help improve it. But this number, $290 often gets rounded up to $300 billion. How do you track adherence? You actually really can't. You really can't track the cost of non adherence of medications. It's not like we had this pool of data saying, oh, this person didn't take this medication, which led to XYZ. Um, we've had to infer it a lot. And these guys did too. I mean, like, um, when you actually pull up their actual document, and I have a link to here, you can look, read it too, go to Appendix 1, you'll see the mechanism. And I took out this little subset. So the study estimated the likelihood of a patient experiencing one or more drug-related problems, so DRPs, Um, in an ambulatory care setting, and the cost of subsequent negative outcomes. Specifically, DRPs included untreated indication, improper drug selection, subtherapeutic dosage, failure to receive drugs, overdosage, adverse drug events, drug interactions, and drug use without indication. The study did not delineate poor adherence from other DRPs, so the estimate includes the overall impact of DRPs. So, think about that. This $290 billion problem is not adherence is drug-related problems overall. It just got thrown into it. Why? Because if you're gonna make a slide that jumps out to someone, you can say non-adherence costs $300 billion. That sounds a lot better than saying X, Y, Z, one, two, three. This whole list causes this $300 billion problem. Because now those are multiple problems you have to solve versus just throwing in one big group and saying non-adherence. I think this has been a disservice to the pharmacist and to the pharmacy community overall, because what's done is it's opened up with this logic that, Hey, if you can just solve non adherence, you solve all this problem. It's pretty simple then not, but when you start saying, oh, overdosage, adverse effects, drug interactions, subtherapeutic dosing, wait a minute, this is multifaceted. Now this now requires multiple different tools, services, people, who wants to pay for that and suddenly you know that makes it tough that i think that and i think that's it i think that's the biggest bottom line um is that these numbers don't add up i mean like then you go down here and if you want to see like the summary of how they got to that they talk about how this leads to physician visits hospital admissions ed visits ltc facility emissions additional prescriptions total deaths and such we'll take out total deaths here but yeah you get two hundred eighty-nine billion, rounded up. 290, rounded to 90, in a greater 300 because that's a nice even number for everyone to just grab onto and remember off the top of their head. So now, not in here, it's $300 billion, but it never was. Um, and that's why there's a publication that was published in 2018 Annals of Pharmacotherapy. I love them. It's Watanabe and colleagues. And when I saw this thing, the first thing I read was their introduction, and they had a section in there that just got me. And this and I had to like, put it in this. Um, however, the cost associated with drug use reaches beyond the purchase of prescribed medications to encompass additional medical costs of morbidity and mortality resulting from medication regimens that are not optimized to effectively treat the indication resulting in a treatment failure where the resolvable medical problem is not adequately treated and a new medical problem where a prescribed medication causes or contributes to an incidence uh clinical symptoms or syndrome or both the TFN and, and NMP. Although widely mis uh misdescribed in the published literature and policy documents as the cost of with patient non adherence to medications. So they 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 say here that like this cost has been mostly estimated two hundred nine billion dollars. So they're pulling it from the knee, Um and but they they identify that that, you know, saying that this is non adherence is not true. It's more than that. So, non-adherence to indicated medication management is just one multiple potential causal factor leads to these treatment failures, which leads to downstream health services use, which is hospitalizations, LTC, adding new prescriptions, etc. So, it's non-optimization of care. Okay. So, you know, now, now we change the language. Now, it's not a three hundred billion dollar problem. It's now based on this, and they did this data in two two thousand eighteen. It's almost a $500 billion problem due to non-optimization of medications. Throwing a service, throwing an app, throwing a device at this isn't gonna fix the problem. And what I want you to take away from this is I am not saying making this stuff, making adherence solutions is a flaw, never. I love them. If you talk to me more, you'll find out I love these devices. I think that they will become mainstream. I'm always a cognizant that I think digital health eventually just becomes healthcare. That's one thing I say because um, that's just what it turns into. I think we're in this transitional period. where We're trying to figure out what devices, what services, and what means of assessing adherence is the best tool. Because these scenes are a tool. They're not the end all be all. Because when you get down to it, these DRPs or drug related problems, this is something that is taught to pharmacy students and every pharmacist recognized. I don't think this terminology is widely used in the medical community and I don't think it's really passed around a lot to other people. But drug related problems is basically what I and everyone else in the pharmacy community live by because that's what we're looking for. That's how we identify. That's the issues we come across. You know, and some of them that I'll list here is like, Adverse drug reaction to therapy, you know, talking to a patient can help us figure out whether or not they're having issues for it. And, you know, 9 out of 10 patients live within 5 miles of a pharmacy. Pharmacists, by and large, talk to patients a lot. They see us usually once a month, maybe once every three months to pick up prescriptions. That's it's more often than they see their provider for, like, a physical fitness every year. Um, and if they have questions, they ask us. But, you know, here, here, but the problem with that is we don't get paid for that. So, you know, we have these conversations with patients, we identify an issue, we refer back to a f- provider and such, but we're not gonna get paid for it. Uh, we are a product-based model, um, and there's issues with that There's clawbacks, the DRFEs. fees, you're seeing independent pharmacies across the United States close. So trying to provide a service and provide the time to do these things and not being remunerated while you're trying to fight to keep your business alive because you have to get prescriptions out the door, do you think the pharmacists are gonna be able and empowered to do these things? uh it's basically free labor and at the end of the day management everyone else you know healthcare is a business someone's going to want to make money so we'll do our best we'll provide those services because that is what we're supposed to do but are we empowered to do as much as we could no one's putting no one's paying a pharmacist directly to provide these clinical services rather we do them as they come along but is it at the top of our list theoretically yes practically probably not um but it, anyway, the struggle related props so like Drug choice problems. You wouldn't believe how many times that we see people who are on treatment that they shouldn't even be on just because they may be on medications that maybe 10 years ago were recommended, but now not. Uh, new guidelines are come out, new treatment therapy, so there's an inappropriate drug choice. Um, you have patients because they see multiple practitioners who are on duplicate therapy. They could be like two beta blockers. They could be on just multiple different like medications i the other day i had a person on two different antidepressants that made no sense of the same class ssris um two different prescribers. that was it just they didn't know because med rec and everything else and uh, data interoperability is crap in the united states even though we're trying to fix that but when anyone caught it maybe not we did but you know how much that's because the patient had issues and we identified it, but, if we, but we had to wait till the person at that time before we did it. We weren't proactive. Uh, contraindication uh, patients with allergies that get put on treatment and then they have issues from it. Um, it could be disease problems. They could have basically, let's say, poorly functional kidneys and they're put in the drug. That then leads to further problems because the drug's not being cleared from the body, which means it activates more, does other problems. Um, that's always fun because then it causes them to go see medical care and that because we, they never got caught beforehand Because no one reviewed it or something happened to the patient over the course of years being on therapy And no one checked in because they didn't do any lab work, but no one requested it because no one thought to do it Um lack of indication. There's so many patients on this stuff One of my favorite is you go to a hospital and then for stress loss prophylaxis You get put on a ppi and you get discharged and you stay on the ppi. I have a patient um that basically re, uh, recovering from a uh, motor vehicle accident, young, really young. They're on a PPI. They have no history of GERD or anything else. It's are for prophylaxis. And they're like, I don't know, they discharged me on it. I thought I was supposed to stay on it. Didn't even know what it was for. It's that kind of stuff. Um, great. Let's fix it. Uh, dosing problems, Oh, again, you know, based on drugs interacting with each other or the fact that there might be disease issues like your liver's not working well, your kidneys not working well, drugs need to be dosed appropriately. Sometimes drugs are just underdosed uh, and not reached to maximize therapy. I love heart failure for instance. And those drugs have to be the more and the higher dose you reach on them, the better likelihood you have of reducing mortality. But half the time they just add on the therapy and no one touches them up further because they don't have the time to monitor them. Um Drug, drug utilization issue. I mean, that's basically like adherence or like, I can't afford or things like that. And you have to take the time to do it. So like here's where the adherence falls into. Monitoring this. Drug interactions. Uh, again, just going through all that. And failure therapy. The drug doesn't work. Um, and having intervene there. So if you watch some of my other videos, you've heard me like tag to this stuff. But this is like the big thing. This medication non-optimization. Because this is where I see it. We as pharmacists, need to basically come out and say hey look this is a billion this is more than 300 billion dollars due to poorly optimized therapy we can use wearable data we can use sensor-based data we can use adherence-based data to intervene we do medication therapy management we do comprehensive medication management as well or cmm or mtm but again coming back to timing if it takes you know 60 minutes to do this and you only get paid $40 for that service You can't make a business out of that not especially when pharmacists, you know their salary costs almost more than $50 an hour Not including benefits and everything else. So if the pharmacist is only making like $40 an hour doing these kind of clinical services You can't make a business. No one wants to do it. But I do see a lot of startups you know getting into space. There's one company I love erring they finally uh put out that they have some contracts going like their service is technology and data analytics and so everything else that could sell the time we can now do mtm and comp- comprehensive medication management way quicker and now it becomes a business and now we have more time to put into it and it would probably hopefully reduce costs that's it that's the stuff we need medication here it's like why do i why do i love this so why do i love these devices like um I'll call it a few, like, you know, Proteus. So everyone, like, busts on Proteus because they're like, oh, why would we want to, like, know when someone swallow their medication? Or it doesn't improve adherence. I I think you're doing a disservice. So if you just concentrate on adherence alone, there's a reason why almost all the clinical studies are, like, failing. It, it's not, like, the adherence. They're not meeting clinical endpoints. Like, the MediSafe BP trial. Yeah, baseline scale analysis. Patients self-reported their adherence is better. Um, but they didn't improve their blood pressure. Um, the BEAT-HF study, you know, they didn't really improve there with their wearables and such. CAD, uh, one of those JAMA studies, didn't reduce uh, uh, rehospitalizations hospitalizations uh, for a recurrence of an MI and such. But they were just collecting the data they weren't doing anything with it. That, that's the thing, like, no one passed it up or kicked it back to a pharmacist and said, hey, um, you know, they are adherent or they're not adherent. Because, okay, if they're adherent and they're still not reaching clinical therapy, then let's change it. Um, there's lots of literature saying out, let's say for hypertension, that a pharmacist can remotely monitor and treat hypertension. We just need a mechanism made to do it. Now I know my patient's taking the medication, I know they're adherent, their blood pressure is not a goal, I know what the goal is supposed to be, I know what the guidelines say for treatment, um, so let's do it. And if it doesn't work, if I think it's resistant to hypertension, or I think there's a secondary cause of hypertension, kick it back to the provider. Uh, we can, it's, it's there, and... This stuff, these drug-related problems, comprehensive medication management, and this technology, it it all fits together to basically empower the pharmacist to do more. So yes, we should be developing these tools. We should be making them. But they, by themselves, I don't think is going to solve the problem. And I would really challenge a lot of companies to think about the pharmacist. I think they should be advocating for this. I think pharmacists should be the people that basically make your product live and breathe because if you could have the pharmacist be able to bill for remote patient management uh, monitoring, if we can have collaborative and more empowered to do this stuff and engage in teleservices, I think we can answer this question, like, no, like this problem. It, it, it's there, it's so easy, it's right there, but I think there needs to be more agreement before, between people just saying, slap a service or device on it and fix itself versus no, we need to have people use our stuff to reach you know what we want. I think everyone wants to improve patient care, so I think that's gonna be great, but and this is also a reason why I see, you know, I think this whole adherence issue try and trying to make devices where, while you see so many companies when you read through them, it's, they have like no clinical staff, they don't have like a pharmacist or a physician, or maybe they have a physician, but they're a consultant and such, because they think it's such an easy solution, and then they're frustrated when they do not see it in their pilots or when they're doing clinical studies and such, and they can't figure out why. And I would say it's just because we know it is a complicated thing, and having us involved would, I think, solve this problem. So, you know, the bottom line for me is the more that we hear this 300 billion dollar problem we need to rectify and say it's medication non-optimization and a pharmacist can help optimize this stuff and that these tools these services these startups can work with us and we can use them to deliver better care that can reduce that cost we need to be implemented into the workflow we need to have our own views as well incorporated into how to solve it because most physicians I know don't want to know about adherence data. They don't want to like sort through it. They might not even want to sort through a lot of like data being coming up all the time. But for pharmacists, a lot of the data fits into this thing. And these are things we would love to utilize. And I think we could see it as a way to basically help our profession move beyond a product-based model where it's just like get prescriptions out the door, but not only getting prescriptions out the door, but also monitoring it, making sure it's working for our patients and nothing bad's happening because we can have real-time data assessing it and we can provide better clinical care because we're trained to do that. It's just that it often gets passed over. And I think it's this whole facet that for the past decade, we've been fixated on just adherence and we've lost sight of the fact it's not, it's just optimization and medications would help out a lot so yeah that's that's the stuff that's been on feel free i'll have a link below if you want to read through the stuff and just you know pull up the papers themselves and you know i welcome your comments i welcome your thoughts I, I i don't mind being challenged on this um i just think it's coming to a point where we can't just let this continually slide because people are just gonna be wasting money when i think you already have healthcare professionals right there and ready to work with you and to address this issue so anyway, this is-
0: to futuredose.tech. If you enjoyed this episode, please share this podcast in your favorite social media outlets. Be sure to stay connected to the Pharmacy Podcast Network and return for your next futuredose.tech episode coming soon.